Welcome to Advantage Over, the only global rugby podcast to help you become a better referee. Your host today is Keith Lewis. Are you ready? Time on. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Advantage Over podcast. It's Keith Lewis here, your host, and welcome to episode 21. Well, last couple of weeks has been quite um, an interesting one, hasn't it? Um, The end of the Rugby World Cup, um, in fact, the whole of the Rugby World Cup, if you're listening to these podcasts in time order. Um, The last session we had was with uh, Wayne Barnes, who then went on to have a a great tournament. So um, if you haven't listened to episode 20, which is when I was down in South France over the summer talking to Barnsley, um, then do go back and have a listen. It's really insightful um, 40 minutes talking through how he approaches being an elite athlete, how he's done it for so long, his family, his background, who he listens to, who he doesn't listen to, and all the things that go into that becoming a top-level elite sportsman who's been at the top of his game. And I think we saw that throughout um, the Japanese tournament. And of course, massive congratulations to, to Wayne for being awarded the World Rugby Referee of the Year Award at the World, World Rugby Awards um, last weekend. Um, really great endorsement of his um, tournament, um, about his refereeing, his service to the game. Um, and if you haven't heard his um, speech, though, it's well worth doing it, showing the, the man that he is, recognising that he was just there picking it up on behalf of the team. So um, it was great to see that and great to see his name um, up on the big stage on Sunday. Um, unfortunately, I was hoping to have two more episodes for you during the event, um, one of which we had to just park for reasons uh, I'm not going to go into here. Um, the other one, I just could not get the audio to, to work. So uh, apologies, there's been a bit of a gap. I hope you've had that time to focus on um, the world events and world rugby. Enough of it to, to keep you occupied, um, so it's great. And it, it's always good to receive your feedback on how you like the podcast, including a, a great little note I had from uh, Mike. Listener Mike, thank you very much for your email where you said you're thoroughly enjoying the podcast. Um, I have a longish commute a couple of times a week, and they definitely help time go quicker. So hopefully, if you're listening to this, Mike, and anyone else today, um, that your commute goes um, even quicker today. Um, in today's show, we're going to have a little um, look around the Rugby World Cup from a refereeing perspective. But then I've been giving some thought over the last couple of days since the uh, since the final as to the, the sort of big refereeing takeaways from the festival um, and and what we think we some points we need to think about going forward um, ahead into um, towards 2023 and beyond. But I've got kind of got eight refereeing takeaways to go through, so we'll run through that in just a minute. So coming up, we've got some great ideas about um, podcast episodes um, for the future. Um, really want to have a, a good rummage around our world as referees. We want this podcast to be helping you to become a better referee, um, as well as perhaps those of you who aren't referees, to understand a little bit more about what we do. So I've got some um, interviews lined up with um, some scrum experts, which would be great for many of us. I'm always learning about that. Um, I've got some... Um, irons in the fire to talk about some specific referee fitness testing we've got a conversation brewing with um, an academic who's running an academic course now in refereeing um, and lots of things like that so if there's anything that you want to hear um, on the podcast please do let me know Um, if you've heard somebody uh, a society meeting or a federation meeting or a union meeting wherever you might be um, you thought oh that's that was a really good presentation on that particular subject then let me know Um, I can put put us in touch and we can get them on the podcast um, and we can bring that that message to your earbuds here and and all the earbuds of your refereeing friends around the world and it's great that our numbers are going up more people are finding the podcast and one thing that helps us do that is if you can leave a rating and review and wherever you might have found it so pop off and do that at some point um, and say nice things about us that would be much appreciated it would be remiss not to kind of start our world cup review by starting on a note of congratulations to some um 
to all the officials who were involved, and not just the officials that we've seen running about in, uh, in those wonderful colours that we saw, but also the whole referee team around it. There's so many people who were involved in making sure all the referees and officials were in the right um, city at the right time, by on the right train, with the right kit, um, and we just never see any of that. So um, for the whole Team 21, that's the, the obviously the on-field guys and the whole bunch of folks sitting behind that that made everything smooth from a refereeing perspective um, or a logistical um, perspective then thank you very much and congratulations for that um, obviously to Jerome Garcés who refereed his the World Cup final the first Frenchman to ever uh, make the step into the middle Perhaps that was um, great for him and we saw some brilliant performances from some of the others um, there as well um, Wayne Barnes thought by many to have um, been the most unfortunate um, one of the lot um, having England got to the final ruled him out um, Nigel Owens um, picked up a, an injury as well so again some great referees who were out there that could have made it and some of those we probably won't be seeing again we already know that um, that was Jerome's last game Nigel highly highly unlikely to to go beyond the end, end of the year um, he's got the Wales Barbars game to look forward to um, and there's obviously a couple of others out there who have signalled that perhaps that might be time for them um, but we'll have a look at those but congratulations to everyone who was out in Japan Two months is a long old time to be out there and away from families and, and away from the support network they have. So um, they'll all be back home now, um, reacquainting themselves with normal everyday life. So congratulations to everyone there. Um, but first, I, what I wanted to do was to, to, as I said before, was to look at what I think are the eight refereeing takeaways from Rugby World Cup. Now, I'm just saying this, um, obviously I'm involved in, in, in refereeing um, in, in England. This is not a um, an official view from anyone apart from myself and the rugby referee net um, world so this is just my, my view feel free to disagree with me and um, agree with me um, um, but these are the the eight things that I think I've taken away from Rugby World Cup um, 2019 the first thing on my list um, is that introducing the new thing in air quotes needs to be done earlier than it was this time so when World Rugby announced that the, the new high tackle and shoulder charge sanction framework was coming in everybody involved in rugby wholeheartedly agreed with the principles behind it and the necessary focus on player welfare and reducing concussion um, which has to become our priority nobody argues that but introducing it albeit tested at the under 20s in 2019 immediately put a whole lot of focus on the match official team which possibly they didn't need um, a longer bedding in phase should be considered next time round with all the stakeholders referees players coaches media spectators fan base just need a bit more time to assimilate what's going on use the process tweak the process iron things in and iron things out um, as well as giving players top team top tournament experience of those things before we hit the world stage um, so that's my first takeaway um, right thing to do um, should have been implemented a little bit earlier to get us away from the this is the World Cup, this is new, this is what we're going to see, um, we're going to have the game spoiled, ruined by card, non-decisions, all that kind of stuff. That would have been kind of taken a year year or so before. Um, so that's my first big takeaway. Um, the second one um, is that all teams in the tournament, playing and match officials, need or, or have, must have that bedding in time. Um, I think everybody recognises that weekend week one of the Rugby World Cup this year wasn't the best week for Team 21. And there were some big high profile issues that emerged. So a result changing offside miss in Argentina, France. A contentious non-decision in the Australia-Fiji game, which then led to um, yellow cards and sightings and all that kind of thing. 
and we had a, the sort of battle royal with the um, South Africa New Zealand match on weekend one, which got um, all the amateur video editors very excitable, particularly um, if you're South African. Um, and it all kind of painted a picture of a nervous Team 21. Um, and when you've got the, the people involved in that, the, most of them were rookies. Um, it's a big old tournament, even for the non-rookies to, to step up onto the world stage. Um, and that kind of led to that, kept that um, thing going and obviously led to the infamous now world statement statement of clarification um, that came out after that. Um, so I mean, after that, after the review, they all review their own process and learn from, um, review their own games and as a team decide how to move things forward, things absolutely calm down. I and mean, that's great. It's exactly the same for all the teams. Very few teams peaked in weekend round one of the Rugby World Cup um, and that's the same for um, the ref officials team. So all teams in a tournament need that bedding in time. Third big one, which is much more positive, is I think the future of the elite group of referees is looking really bright. Um, in the coming months, as I touched on earlier, um, we're likely to see a number of the squad sort of announce or finalise their future plans. Um, Wayne Barnes said in our podcast chat with him uh, last time, so they all operate on four-year cycles as well as the teams. So we already know about Nigel and Jerome, definitely not going to make 2023. Um, Barnes himself has been rumoured to um, be on his way out, but I think he said when he picked up his award, World Rugby Award for 2019 as Referee of the Year, congratulations to, to Wayne for that massive achievement. Um, he hasn't made that decision yet, and he'll take the time back home now with the family to make those decisions. Um, he's also on 90 international matches, which is a very unwayne-like thing to be thinking about, and I'm sure he hasn't. But maybe that lure of 10 might just be somewhere in the back of his mind to get to 100. Um, of course, he's got to balance that against the family and future career commitments that he, he might have. Um, we've also got Roman Poit and Pascal Gazera both in their 40s, um, so it's possible that that might be it for them. Maybe not this year, but maybe not as far as 2023. But behind those guys, there's a crop of fantastic referees who are clearly there and ready to step into those shoes. Um, by all acclamation, Nick Berry, Paul Williams, Luke Pearce, Ben O'Keefe um, had great tournaments this year um, and consider themselves really unlucky not to have been involved on in the middle at the business end of the festival. Yes, Ben was there on the side, which is fantastic for him. Um, but also things like, like Gus sitting aside and also the, the guys who were there as ARs, uh, Matt Carley, Carl Dixon, Andy Brace are sitting there waiting to step up and, and that kind of bodes really well for, for 2023 and, and that 2023 French tournament is, there, is theirs for the taking. So that's a really positive, one good positive. Um, the next thing um, I was thinking about was about setting out the stall early and perhaps we, we shouldn't do that. In any referee course, if you've ever done a referee course, um, or if you get into a conversation about pre-match briefs and things like that, you're advised not to say too much at the pre-match brief to make sure you don't then tie your hands um, when the match starts. Things like, you don't want things coming back to you that said, but you said you'd do this, you said that, you said you were going to focus on this. Um, and then you don't, for whatever reason. And I think the same advice needs to go to the uh, the World Rugby Referee Management, particularly when it comes to the media. Uh, we know that there was a bunch of briefings with the media by Alan Roland and his team, um, where they outlined key areas of focus that the team would follow, which then, of course, gave, gives the media, the commentators, a big stick to beat the officials up, so to speak, um, when those things don't happen or aren't seen to be happening, perhaps married out with that nervous um, starting point for the team that I've already talked about. Um, clearly, we've got to find a way of working with the media, um, so there needs to be a balance there to educate them and take them on a bit of the journey, but somehow we have to find a way of not setting out the stall too early, 
which then gives them a, a, a stick to, to come back to, to use against us, perhaps in commentary or, or by in the media or in commentary, or the commentary as I call it, um, around rugby. Which then kind of links on to the next big point. For me, we have to find a way of taking the rugby audience with us. That's the spectator, the spectators and the fan base. The biggest problem for me during the, the tournament this time was the complete inability of world of the rugby world um, to go with what the referees were being were trying to do um, or to share um, and understand what the referee team, what the match officials are all trying to do. We need to take the audience with us and we didn't do it. We've got to find a way of talking to them uh, and showing them that the camera angles that we're all watching at home um, which you can then pause, freeze frame, replay, create social media graphics of your own, focus on things you want to focus, aren't, aren't always what the referee teams or themselves 100% accurately true. Um, think about where the cameras are. They're high up in a stand on halfway line. Those angles will naturally lead to things that aren't quite, don't look um, as flat and forward as it would be if you're alongside or somewhere closer to play where the referees and the ARs tend to be. Um, and one incident stands out to me more clearly than, than anything else. In the Wales-Australia game, you might remember, there was a fantastic in intercept try by the Welsh outside half, I think it was, or centre. It just looked so offside and so wrong on first view, it kind of sent social media into apoplexy and no one really touched on it and no one responded to it. But if you look at the other angles and the stills there, and we'll put them in the show notes on the, on the article that will go with this uh, podcast on the site, I'll put those stills in there. Um, you can see very clearly that he was onside and, and very very clearly on site, wasn't even marginal um, in those respects. Um, and so many times during the tournament we saw posts and comments about offside line not being policed and how it's spoiling the game. I think they are being policed. But yes, it is an incredibly tight and fast area of the game. It's so fluid and dynamic that things will look wrong, but actually aren't. And that's a point Wayne also made um, back in the podcast. So go back and listen to his view rather than just my own. Um, so it's something that I think we've got to find a way to to, to do that um, and there is still a complete lack of refereeing voice out there in all that commentary. There's a couple of um, uh, former World Rugby International referees who write columns um, but there's, there's not many voices out there speaking for referees. It's also part of the reason we set up RugbyReferee.net in the first place um, and our readership statistics through September and October shows that we were filling um, that void and we're, we're adding to that um, refereeing voice and the information that people have come in, coming to us for and we're playing a valuable part in that but when did anyone in authority um, speak for about the officials only when there was a negative thing to be talked about where are the rest of the um, re recently retired referees working the media are they there are they doing anything we're not seeing it coming through um, if they are. So where's the voice? Where's the social media con content? Um, I, I guess it gives us here at rugbyreferee.net and it gives me something to do. So uh, maybe it's something I don't want to shout too much about. But certainly we've got to find a way of taking the rugby audience and stakeholders with us. The next big point for me um, is that there's absolutely room for referee personalities um, in the game of rugby. Um, anyone who's on social realises how, how much the social media appears to love Nigel Owens, except when he seems to be refereeing them, but there's always that element to it. Why? Because he's an entertainer as well as a referee. It's part of his personal makeup. And if you've never read his backstory about his um, his book or his, his autobiography, please do take some time to go and read it. There are links on referee.net if you look for the books tab. 
um, at rugbyreferees.net. Look for the books tab. Um, the, the links are there to, to go and buy it. But it, it tells he he was out there in working men's clubs with his um, father and grandfather as a as a small child and was brought up in that environment where they had um, open mic sessions and he was doing that before before school and before rugby. And so that's part of his makeup. Um, we we want to see more of that. People do want um, them out there showing that they're personal, getting involved. You see the adverts there again with, with Nigel again and the Emirates uh, Rugby World Cup adverts. There's plenty out there using that personality that he's got to do it. There's always that argument. Do um, do people want to see referees in, in that um, environment? Do they want to see them off the field? That's a, perhaps a, a different discussion. Um, but he's out there using social and his profile to raise his own profile obviously but also that of refereeing and I think we want more of that um, and again another example and an interesting reaction from the rugby world um, was around the Yako Piper incident when he was pictured with some Wales fans mimicking uh, quotes again an incident in a, in a game where he sent a player off um, careless possibly um, and he did apologize and ultimately missed out on a possible semi-final slot as a result of that um, mistake or error but for me, the biggest surprise was actually the reaction to everyone out there um, saying he was just out there being human. He was enjoying some time after a match. Um, it was in his own time. Um, he was out there mixing with, with the fans and doing that. Um, Yako Piper, a referee, being human. We all are. And I think we've just got to embrace that um, and, and perhaps the, the swings and roundabouts that that will bring alongside with it. Um, two more things to go. Um, the penultimate one for me is is certainly um, something that's concerned me for a while and, and certainly many out there. Um, the breakdown has to get sorted out um, in the game on the field. The good news is there's already work, work underway. The bad news is we've gone a long way past the problem um, for, to figure out quite clearly how we're going to get back to um, what we want and there's lots of heavyweight rugby experts out there driving a lot of the commentary and we've said it before we've got a lot of sympathy for what Ben Ryan the former England Sevens and Fiji coach are calling for um, during World Cup we saw numerous matches where the breakdown looked frankly a mess um, and for sure some of that's a refereeing um, issue um, but it's also a coaching and playing issue um, but more importantly now we've got to figure out how we sort it now it's here, rugby's got one of those decisions that we've talked about before and it needs to make. Does rugby want to bring the law up to the way the modern game has become? Or do we bring the modern game back to the law as written? Um, and you may have a view on either side of that debate, but either way we, something needs to happen. World Rugby did a couple of months ago um, already announced that they've started a review process. They've, um, they're creating a high-level um, elite group to look at this um, involving coaches and referees. I think Wayne Barnes is one of the ones that is involved in that um, working group um, to look at how we do that and, and to get that. And that's good news and hopefully things will be addressed quickly because we absolutely need it. There's also the issue of back foot space. Um, Spectators, TV viewers, as I mentioned before, don't believe that exists, as I said, often wrongly. Um, if you look at the, the likes of Faf de Klerk closely during a game, he comes from deep and he's usually onside, even though he might not look it. Um, and again, the Law Review Group have in previous law cycles looked at this issue before. They've There has been proposals on the table to create um, a bigger amount of space on those back foot sidelines, potentially moving them back a metre um, to create a bit more space around the, the breakdown area. Um, I personally, 
I think from a refereeing perspective, that's practically unrefereeable if you're out there on your own and without um, without support, as many of us are week in, week, week, in, week out, um, refereeing the community game. How do you do that and, and, and police it so um, it doesn't become too much more work for, for refereeing? So again, things to, things to be looked at all around the breakdown. Um, it's it's not a good area of the game. It's difficult for everybody to to watch. It's difficult for stakeholders to understand when the law book s says a lot of things quite clearly, yet it's still happening. So it's good that it's being addressed, and we want to see that. The final one for me um, is is a, is a challenge for for us all, I think, and that's around the issue of diversity. We have a diversity challenge that needs to be addressed. We shouldn't shy away from the fact that all of the Rugby World Cup 2019 match officials group bar one, all bar one, Shui Kubo, are white males and most from tier one countries. We've got to find ways of bringing non-tier one referees into the tier one mix. And obviously that takes time. You can't just lift um, a referee from a non-professional country without the elite support that many of us have and drop them into those, that level of rugby. It just wouldn't work. Um, so it does take time and there is investment um, in those tier two countries to bring them up to the game, but also bring referees through. We're seeing the likes of Nika Amashakeli from, from Georgia breaking through into European games. He's got a run coming up in the next batch. Um, of European um, Challenge Cup games, and we've got the likes of uh, Tavita Rocca Venerni from Fiji, Paolo Duarte from Portugal, Francisco Gonzalez of Uruguay. They're all operating on the World Seven stage now, which is great to see those um, that route being taken. Um, on the gender front, um, I was personally a little bit surprised that Joy Neville didn't go to the World Cup as an AR for 2019. I think it would have been a um, a good appointment. She clearly worked her way through um, the, the ranks to earn that spot and maybe was unfortunate not to have made it. I think age, if, I might be, if I'm allowed to say this, might be against her for 2023 in that respect, um, as it will be for many others. Um, so it's a shame that opportunity wasn't there. Um, but I would be amazed if we don't see, um, having led the charge but with, but through Joy, that we don't see some of those sitting in Joy's um, cohort group um, coming through um, into selection for through 2023. Rebecca Mahoney in New Zealand, former Black Fern, Sarah Cox, for example, for, of England, are leading referees in their domestic men's game in those respective countries. So I think the, the, the talent pipeline is there. The professional element to the, those officials is there to take, help them take them um, on that journey to, to 2023. And it might just be worth keeping an eye on the 2020 Six Nations or even summer appointments um, when they come out through next year, just to see if there's any signs or, of progress or even as a statement of intent. But we've got to get a more diverse bunch of referees through um, people like um, Rasta Razavenje are working their way through the South African and the Super Rugby system as well. So there's the colour um, and the um, element, that side of it. We've all got to become a slightly more diverse um, group of officials in the same way that the game is becoming more diverse as well. So that's to be welcomed. We've got to find ways of, of, of bringing that into the referee and match officials group as well. So those are my eight um, takeaways from Rugby World Cup 2019. Let's just go over them headlines again. Uh, number one, we need to introduce the new big thing earlier in the cycle. Number two, um, all teams in tournaments need betting in time, and that includes Team 21 in this case. Number three, the future of the elite group of referees looks really bright, and that's to be um, really welcomed and encouraged. Number four, let's not set out the stall too early. Um, when it comes to tournament rugby, things like that, it's, it's a dangerous precedent to, to take. Uh, number five, we need to find a way of keeping the rugby audience with us and taking us, taking them alongside us as we're trying to, to, to help referee the game. 
Number six, there's room for referee personalities in the game. We like it, we want to see more of it. Uh, number seven, we've got to sort the breakdown out because it's a mess and something needs to change. Um, and that final one is diversity challenge. How do we get more um, a more diverse group of referees, um, both from uh, background, uh, colour, gender, and from and from the the rug -tier, tiered rugby nations? How do we get more, a more diverse group of officials um, onto the big games that we see in front of us? So those are my eight takeaways. Um, are they your takeaways? Have I missed them? Do you fundamentally disagree with anything I've just said? Um, please do feel free. Let's start. A let's have a conversation about some of these things. Um, it'll be interesting to, to to review this in four years' time, see where we've got to. Um, but if you've got a comment to make, um, either uh, email so. Keith at rugbyreferee.net will find me um, or, or start a conversation on any of our social media channels. Um, we've got a really active um, Facebook group now um, for referees. So if you're a referee wants to come and join that, if you go to the internet and go to refsquad.com, the magic of technology will redirect you into the Facebook group and we'll ask it, answer a few questions and we'll let you in. Um, so come and join the conversation over there. We're obviously at Rugby Referee Net um, across Instagram and Twitter. Um, there's an open page on Facebook if you want to get involved in the conversation there. But let, let's see, what do you think about what we've just talked about? And what, what, have, what were your takeaways from um, 2020, uh, the 2019 Rugby World Cup? And what are your thoughts about the future of refereeing and the game? Um, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. It's all about um, getting involved and, and, and having that conversation. We'd love to be you to be part of it. So thank you very much for listening. A um, bit of a, a solo episode. We've got some good interviews and some good conversations on other areas of the game brewing um, over the next couple of weeks and months. Enjoy your off-season if you're in the Southern Hemisphere. If you're in the North, hope you are doing well in your season so far. Um, let us know if we can help you in any way, shape or form. So with that, I think that's Advantage Over. Thanks for listening to the Advantage Over podcast from RugbyReferee.net. We hope you've enjoyed the content that we brought to you this week. What we'd really appreciate is your likes, rates and reviews, wherever it is you found it, whether that's iTunes or Stitcher Radio or TuneIn. Please head over there and leave us a review. We really do appreciate those. Um, we'd also um, ask you to tell your referee colleagues, friends, community um, that about this podcast this is the only Rugby Referee podcast out there, um, so we hope to get to more earbuds um, over time. We'd also love your feedback um, and your suggestions and your comments, so please let us have them. Um, you can either email us at ref at advantageoverpodcast.com um, or you can find us through the rugbyreferee.net website um, or through Twitter at rugbyreferee.net, which is the same handle you'll find on Instagram as well. We're in all those places, so please do let us know what you think, let us know what you want, um, and how we can help you become better referees in the future. So for now, that is Advantage Over. <laughs>